You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Good morning. Hallelujah. We are here on a new day. This is the day the Lord, the Lord has made. Hallelujah. Pastor Eric sends his greetings. So does Pastor Uber. Um, they're traveling at the moment. Pastor Eric is in a, a, he's speaking at a conference in Gambia. So, so amen. So it starts on Monday and it goes all the way up to Friday. So you need to travel through about three countries to get to Gambia. It's not that easy. You don't just get on a plane and fly there straight from South Africa. So he started off in Mozambique and then I think he, I don't know where he went, somewhere in between. And then now he's on his way to Gambia. So sure, that's powerful. But we believe that it's going to be explosive. Amen. And obviously we believe that anything God does there, it's going to affect us back here. So let's keep, let's keep praying for him, amen, because the bigger the impact, the more we benefit as well. So let's keep praying for them, uh, praying for him, praying for them as they travel, hallelujah. Okay, so Father, we bless you this morning. Let's pray as we open up. We thank you. <clears throat> thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that, as, you're, as we were singing earlier, you are God alone. Only you can touch every life here. Only you can minister to every life here. And only you can speak to every life here. Thank you for ministering to every person this morning, for sending your word and touching their hearts. Let's take a moment. Just before we start, take a moment. Just ask God to speak to you this morning. Amen. There's only God can speak to you. From one sermon, every single person can be affected. Only God, can, no one, only God can do that. Father, we bless you this morning. We trust in you to speak to us this morning. We trust you that as we continue in our series, Lord God, you will add another block you of what you are building, another aspect in the name of Jesus of what you want to bring to pass this morning, of what you are doing in this house, of what you are doing in our lives, of what you are doing in our families, of what you are doing concerning our destinies, of what you are doing concerning Midrand, of what you are con doing concerning everything that concerns us, that which concerns our nation, that which concerns everyone connected with us. Father, we believe that even what is happening here in this church is not unconnected from our nation, Lord God. What is taking place in our church is affecting our nation, is affecting our nation. Our nation is affected by what takes place in this church, my God. So this morning we are asking that you would speak that you would send your word, Lord God, that will affect our nation. That you would send your word that will transform our nation. That you would send your word that you would change our nation in the name of Jesus. You would send your word, a word that will impact and bring alignment. You've been aligning in our nation. It's not that you haven't been working. So that will also add another phase, another dimension, another aspect, which will take us as a nation one step closer. Because you are working already, you, have, there's no, you are far from not being in our nation. You are squarely in the midst of our nation and squarely in the midst of what is happening. And you are ordering things for your good, for your will, for your purpose, Lord God. You are bringing things to a glorious outcome, a glorious conclusion, a glorious place, Lord God. 
for every single individual in this nation, for every single group in this nation, as you, as you bring unity, as you bring connection between different groups and build a truly incredible nation. This is our nation. This is a nation that you are building, Lord God. And you are doing a good work. You are doing a great work, Lord God. You are doing a magnificent work. Often past what we can see, but you are right in the midst of our nation. You love our nation, Lord God. You love it more than we can imagine, more than we can think. And you are ordering things concerning our nation. Our nation belongs to you. A glorious, bright future is what our nation has, Lord God. And there is nothing other than that that we will stop. We will not stop speaking that. There is a glorious, wonderful future you have for our nation. And you are taking us towards that. Father, we love you. And we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So, I don't think it was the day for nation's prayer. But anyway, maybe it's important. Hallelujah. So, what God is doing here is affecting our nation. Because we are in our nation. And for many other reasons. So we are continuing with our series this morning. If this is your first time with us today, you are welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Um, we are doing a series at the moment called Growing in Stature. So this is our third week. We've had our senior pastor speaking. Um, I guess the baton got passed. And um, so now uh, we're doing the third installment in our series. And I think to, to sum it up before I, before I go into the open up a scripture. Um, you know, God has been taking us on a journey, as a, or obviously as a church over a long period of time over this year, but even in this series, I believe he's, he's taking us on a journey and he's growing us in stature. Amen? Every single week, as we listen, as we engage, as we take hold of the message, as we soak it in, and, you know, and, and God speaks to us and we, t- we soak in what applies to us, because what will apply to me and you will be different. What God can say from the same sentence especially from you know, the pulpit, from an anointed word, the same sentence can mean a thousand different things across this room, and every person can get something different out of it. So it's what is God saying to you through this series, as we journey through what he's saying. And remember, he's not just saying things to you, he's doing things in your hearts as we are, as we are going. And I believe, if you haven't seen it yet, for me it's been quite incredible. There have been two or three instances. Like, it just sometimes, maybe I've been praying and it's been deep or something, and other times I've just been going about the day, and I've noticed something different. I've just noticed something, and I'm like, no, that's stature. That's, let me not, not, not the fullness of stature, I mean, we'll get into that, but, that's, but something has shifted. I, I, like, I know where I am, where I was, you know, I know my space, as each of you know your space. And then I have a look and I'm like, okay, this isn't how I used to respond. Or this isn't how I used to do things. Or this isn't how I used to see things. Or, oh, I've just engaged with this a little bit differently than I did before. Oh, I must be growing in stature. Amen. This must be a stature thing. You know, I must be rising. So it's not, it's not about comparing yourself to the next person, obviously. It's about having a look what God is saying to you and having a look, are you where you used to be? And I believe if we all introspect and maybe even pray and ask God, say, Lord, since the beginning of the series, what has changed? What is different? And I believe he will show you. 
Amen. I believe you will start to see. Over this week, if not today, over this week, he'll open up your eyes and he'll show you and you'll see what is different. Because God obviously often does things while we're walking and then he opens up our eyes. Hallelujah. So we are, as I said, continuing, growing in stature. And we are, I guess you can call today, um, gleaning, gleaning from the life of Abraham. So we're going to have a little bit of a look at the life of Abraham as we continue with stature, as we maybe draw some things from his life. Someone who definitely grew in stature. You see where he was and you see where he ended up. There was a lot of growth that took place. Amen? Amen. There was a lot of growth that took place. He grew in stature significantly. And they're different, yeah, and we'll get into it more. So I want to start off with a... Um, with a definition this morning. So one of the ways you can define stature is, um, there are a couple of different ways you can do it, but one of the, the, the ways you can define it, which links with some of the, the benefits or the attributes, is stature can be defined as an attained, an attained state fit for a thing. An attained state fit for a thing. In other words, you get somewhere and then you fit for something. So you get somewhere, and because you've got to that somewhere, there's some things you can now either be given, take hold of, be granted, whatever it is. So you fit for whatever's at that, if you want to use, you know, let me not use the word level, but as you've, um, as you, you've, now, you've now grown, you've developed, so you fit for whatever is at that place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's one of the reasons why we need to grow in stature, because every new level of stature we get to, there are things that are... That are, that are linked, that are not even linked, that are, are at that level. You know, it's like when you climb a mountain, for example. You know, you're climbing up um, or you're walking on a road. I don't necessarily want to say a mountain, because, but if you're walking on a road, every point in your journey, you'll find things along there. You know, every, you'll find stature is exactly the same. As we continue to grow, every new place we get to, there's something on that level, some things, plural, which will add value to our lives, our calling, our destiny. Pastor Eric mentioned that about you know, stature and linked with your destiny, your calling, how you're growing in stature. There's a stature we need to attain in order to fulfill the destiny for us as individuals. So there's a, that's why we need to keep growing because I know I haven't arrived far and I'm sure for the rest of us we can say that. If we look at ourselves, we say, God, <laughs> not yet. Maybe there's some things I'm touching, but not yet. Amen. Okay, so let's look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25 first. That's where we're going to start, um, especially if, you, if you're here for the first time today. So Luke chapter 2, sorry, not 25, Luke 2, 52. Um, the end of the book of Luke, I read from 51, it says, <clears throat> Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. I'm talking about his parents, his Jesus. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And then 52, doesn't matter too much about the context, 52 is the important verse. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So I think the, the, point, the point here is that we can grow in stature. Hallelujah. We can grow and develop stature. So even Jesus grew in stature. You know, he didn't just arrive. He grew in stature over time. That's why he only started his ministry, I guess, at 30 and not at 3. You know, there was some growing that needed to happen, both biologically and otherwise. So we can grow in stature. We see if Jesus is our perfect example. As we always, if Jesus needed to grow in stature, if Jesus could grow in stature, 
How much more? It's something we need to take seriously. And the Bible puts it very clearly. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we need to keep growing in stature. We need to be excited. We need a desire to grow and keep pressing to grow. Amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, I think. Uh, Let me have a look. 12 and 13. Reads as follows. Ephesians chapter 12. Sorry, 4. Thank you. Ephesians 4, verse 12. There we go. So, okay, if I read from 11. No, I read from 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. This is talking about apostles, prophets. In this context, it's talking about gifts given to the body and they help do certain things. And from verse 12, is these, certain, these are the certain things. So it says, they are there for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, number one, number two, and the knowledge of the Son of God, and then to a perfect man, that word perfect means mature, to a mature man, that's talking about stature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't think I need to put up the amplified version, but maybe, maybe, you, can just, maybe you can put up the amplified version, please, of verse 13, just while I'm, while I'm talking. I don't think I'll go through it. But what we can see here is, is Jesus is our standard of stature. I guess you can say he's the, he's the zenith, which is the peak, the pinnacle, the ultimate of stature. So what we are, what we are pressing for, as it says here, um, to the perfect man, to the measure, to the measure, so there's a way to measure stature, um, not for us to measure other people's stature, God measures stature, to the, you, you, it's you yourself and God. So to measure, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's a full stature. Hey. I don't know about you, but that excites me. There is a full stature. And if we couldn't access it, it wouldn't say this. Amen? Can I say that again? If we couldn't access that, if we couldn't get to that place or that level, it wouldn't be in the Bible because it would be unfair. Like how can, how can you have something to say we, we're pressing towards the, the full measure of the statue of Christ if it's not possible? Amen. I mean, if it's not possible, then you know, don't put it in there. I mean, this is the sovereign God who is perfect and created the universe. Definitely, he can you know, decide what to put in and what not to. Um, just give me a second. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> the fullness of the statue of Christ. There is, a, there is a fullness we can access, and that's what we're looking for. That's what we're pressing for, and that's what we can press for. I think that's, the, that's one of the biggest things about the scripture. Not just that it's there, but we can press for that and we can access that. Think about this. And this is probably what I think excites me about all of this the most. As we continue pressing for this, this, this standard, this, the standard, I guess the zenith or the example we've got of what that full stature, who, there's, someone, there's someone who was on this earth once upon a time who walked in that full stature. So as we continue pressing for that, not only every, every stage of growth we get to are there things at those different levels. We're going to look more at that in a moment. But there are things at those different stages which are automatically accrued to us at new levels of stature, number one. But number two, as we speak about walking in or pressing to the full stature of Christ, that means that everything we see in the life of Jesus 
flows through us. We have access to and we will manifest. He himself, just in his area in, in Palestine, just in that area in Israel, he changed the entire world. One man, one person. So how much more, I mean, imagine an entire church pressing towards the fullness of this. I mean, they, like the mind, like it just blows your mind, you know? Um, it, just, it just makes your mind explode. And you think, so one person, so what would it look like if a whole church pressed towards the full stature and started working that? I mean, we're talking impact, multiple generational impact, which will be, I guess, glorious. In other words, it's not just impact in, in one sphere of time, one generation, like 25 years or whatever. I mean, it's, it's impact that will definitely last out of our lifetime. I mean, the world will not be the same place. Um, I think of, uh, what's his name now? Uh, Martin Luther. He always is an example I, I like to use. So, so he was a, he was, he was a um, Catholic priest. I think he was, a, he was a monk. Anyway, the whole Protestant revolution the Protestant Reformation was ushered through him. So a lot of what we have today outside of basically the Catholic and the Anglican Church is as a result of what he did. Baptist, uh, or Pentecostal, Charismatic, um, what else? Uh, Baptist and Presbyterian, Methodist, all of that came out of what he did. So that's one person who had a significant, one person, who had a significant impact on the whole world, but not just in his time, and then it disappeared. Literally, it's almost like the world got reshaped through this one individual. And like, it's almost impossible to not take that shape out, to like undo, you know, it, it's almost like it kicks something into momentum, which now couldn't be undone. Now think of that as we all press to the fullness of Christ. I mean, that's exactly what it'll do. I mean, imagine a whole, even just, so a whole church this big, I mean, even one person did it, but this, a church pressing towards the, the stature of the fullness of Christ, I mean, that'll kick certain things into being. In fact, if someone had to look at the world globally pre and then look at the world after we pressed into the, it, you wouldn't be able to recognize it. There'd be so many new things, things beyond what we could think would have been birthed and started and brought to pass and, and launched and initiated. Not just technology, I mean many, many, there's so many spiritual things we haven't even laid hold of yet. So many spiritual things. I mean, look at, you know, Pastor Eric always says revelation is progressive. So you look at the last two, three hundred years, you know, what is, what, how we've grown, you know, charismatic came in, Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit, you know, all of those things came in and got added a long time and people built on that. Now imagine if, I mean, if, if one person could take hold of a whole lot of things spiritually and change the world. Imagine if a whole church did that pressed in, you know, for fullness of stature. Like, there's no limit to what you can get to. I mean, as a group, I mean, the, as I say, you literally, if you could look at the world before and look at the world after, you would not recognize it. And I believe to take it back to the place where it was would probably be nothing, would probably be impossible. I mean, sometimes you, you know, like even in life, in physical things, you can reshape something in such a way, you can take it to even a, a new form or a new state where you then can't take it back. If you take, you know, water, yeah, okay, I guess water condensation, bad example. But certain things you can, you can shift in such a way you actually can't take them back. 
Um, you just speak to your children what they do with their toys. I'll tell you. There's some, there's some, you guys know if you're parents, there are things they do with their toys, they just, they, they, or books, or what, they just can't go back. There's a state it gets to, it cannot, it cannot go back. It's normally not, maybe, you know, a, it's normally something, but anyway, there's your example. So what children do with the things they play with, sometimes they cannot go back. And that's what we're trusting God for. We want, we want to, like, may it be that by the time our life is finished, the world, now hear me, and this, I'm not, this is not a throwaway statement, please hear me. May it be that by the time we finish our lives, the world is at a state where it cannot go back. I mean, I mean, is that not a legacy? I mean, they, like you can leave, you know, like David having served the will of God for his generation, lay down and slept. Like he'd done what he needed to do. You know, yeah, sure, you know, there's one or two, but he'd done what he needed to do overall. He'd, le- he'd, he'd run his race like Paul. I've run my race. I've played my part. I've done what I needed to do. Hallelujah. In the same way, may we, may we think of our lives like that as, Lord, when I go and rest one day, like I want to be able to rest saying, it is finished. I mean, Jesus is our example. So if he finished what he was supposed to do, I mean, can't, I, hello. So he finished what he, what he was supposed to do. Can I not finish what I'm supposed to do? Can, not, can, not, can I not finish my life and at the end of my life say, God, it is finished. Like I've done what I need. Whatever age that is, whatever, wherever I find myself, God, it is finished. I have done what I needed to do. What greater thing is there that we can leave for this world, for if we love the world and love people, for our children, for 10, 13 generations onwards, I have done, I've finished your work. I've run my race. It is finished. May we be able to say that, God, in Jesus' name. May we be able to say, Lord, it is finished. And then Jesus went. But may we be able to say it is finished. May that be like the cry of our lives, our prayer and our focus. Lord, when, I, when, I, when my time here is done, may you just help me to be able to say it is finished. May I look back on my life and the summary is just it is finished. May I be able to I mean, I don't think there's, I'm trying to think now as I'm standing, I don't think there's any greater thing, you know, that one could do or maybe one could say, Obviously being welcomed into heaven and, and Jesus saying to us, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. But I believe the one links with the other. You know, if you can say, you know, I've finished what I was supposed, not someone else, not their race, not their amount of people, not, not mine. If I finished my thing, I believe as we step in, well done, my good and faithful servant. Therefore, I mean, why would that not happen? If there's an allotment for you to do and you do the allotment, you get a congratulations. It's, I mean, that's how it works, even in the real world. So how much more in heaven with a perfect God? May we finish this race. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, and then be able to say, it is finished. May that be the prayer of our lives, the goal of our lives, the desire of our lives, the drive of our lives. And it can happen for every one of us. Doesn't matter how old we are, young we are, where we find ourselves, it's irrelevant. What state of life we find ourselves in, what place in life, that exists and I can get there. Why? Because of the, the songs we sang earlier. Because with God, and only we serve a God who can do anything. A God who is interested in every single one of us. 
unchangeable, unshakable. Hallelujah. I've now forgotten that chorus. I was, what was that chorus I said in the beginning when I started? Not unshakable, not unchangeable. What was the other thing? You, you are, thank, thank you. You are God alone. And why can each one of us finish our race? The last thing I'm going to say quickly. And, 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 and why can each one of us finish our race and get to a point where we say it is finished? Because he is God alone. That's the person we walk with. If I look in my circumstance, it doesn't matter what it looks like. That is the person I, wa- I, work, I walk with. It is finished. It's possible for every single one of us. That's what we have to press to. And if it wasn't possible, it wouldn't have been said. And that example wouldn't be there. Otherwise, it would be signif- extremely unfair. Amen. It is finished. Mm. It is. Hey. So that's, where, so, that's where, so that's where we are going. Hallelujah. Um, Okay, so Jesus is the standard of stature. We looked at that. Let's quickly go, I think, to Genesis 17. Um, we see we're going to look at the life of Abraham. So, Genesis 17, verse 1, <clears throat> reads as follows. It says, When Abraham, Abram, and been Abraham, Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. So God is appearing to Abraham again. We can see he's, you know, there's a lot of growth that's taken place. Um, even just from um, 17.1 to about 17.5, we see his name gets changed. So there's consistent things that are happening in the life of Abraham. Growth, transformation, change, stature, all of that. So, and we can see a, a couple of stages, even before this, there were stages of growth that took place. And we're not going to go into that now. But just for you to know that this isn't the first stage of growth. There were others before this. This is just one of the stages I want to zoom in on, you know, for the purposes of today. So what happened before this? is um, you read from chapter 16, beginning of chapter 16, and then if you get to verse 15, end of chapter 16, you'll see that it says, So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, yes, God is emphasizing different, whom Hagar bore Ishmael, Abram. You can't use one person's name so many times. Four, your, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. It's almost like he's trying to emphasize that was his name at that time. You know, and then a couple of verses later, it's changed. So, so, but it's, but it, but what's imp- one of the things is it's 13-year gap between chapter 16, verse 13, and chap- uh, verse 15, and chapter 17, verse 1. There's a 13-year gap. Nothing is recorded. We don't know if God said anything or not. He may not even have really spoken to Abraham. So there's a 13-year gap. Why? Because he needed to get ready. There was, a, there was a, a place he needed to get to. There was a growing he needed to do. There was a position he needed to get to before 17 verse 1 can happen. And that's the point I'm trying to get across today. There are places we need to get to, and when we get there, things take place. God adds something. He sends a revelation, an insight, a person, a door, a whatever it might be. It could be multiple things. I want just saying it's just a revelation or just a door. It could be all of those things. But when we grow, when we get to a certain point, then things, there are things that accrue at every place automatically. 
and specifically in our, as we continue growing in stature concerning our calling, God's calling for our lives, there are things that accrue at every place we get to. So for Abraham, this, what, this is what happened. He'd obviously, maybe he'd learned some things, maybe he'd, you know, reflected a little bit, because remember, this now is when, you know, God said, I'll give you a child, and then, you know, him and Sarah decided, okay, this is how we're going to do it, and then obviously, you know, Ishmael came along, you know, he went to Hagar, his maidservant, and Ishmael came along, and then... God was, didn't say anything for 13 years, so I guess that got his attention. He's like, okay, maybe I missed the boat somewhere. And you know, maybe he realized that, okay, you know, probably I didn't do this one right. And then by the time we get to 17 verse 1, he's probably now, whatever he needed, to, I believe that there was some sorting out that needed to happen in those 13 years. I don't think it necessarily needs to take 13 years. It can take a lot quicker. It just depends on, I guess, it depends a lot on us. You know, how quickly, if God's speaking, we listen, we apply all of that thing. doesn't need to take 13 years. So, uh, yeah, I think it will differ from person to person. But when he got to 17 verse 1, God now appears to him and he says some things to him. And, you I mean, you read on. And this is quite a significant moment for Abraham. I mean, this, this nails down, locks down a whole lot of things. I mean, if you carry on reading, I don't think, we'll see if we'll get there, but... But it locks down a whole lot of things, verse 5, all the way down, and then for the generations after you. So this was a significant moment. Abraham couldn't just be at any place. He needed to be at a certain place to receive what God wanted to do at that time. Amen. So, And here's the, here's the interesting thing. So what he does is he, he reveals himself to Abram, not yet Abraham, but Abram, as I am almighty God. So there are a couple of things before that, you know, you can see that God reveals himself to Abraham as, but here he's revealing himself to him as almighty God. And then you see what, and, there's, and you just read on, and this is what comes with it, two, three, four, five, six, you read all of these things come as a result of that, um, what is accrued at that level of growth. But here's, that, here's another interesting thing. If you look at... Um, Let's see, look at the book of Exodus. So the book of Exodus, chapter, can okay, us start from 2, uh, 6 verse 2, Exodus 6 verse 2. It says, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Abraham, sorry, to Abraham, and you'll see why, why he uses that name. I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. You can go look at that word, Lord. It's, a, um, it's an interesting word. Uh, yeah, it's a good word. I'm not going to go into it. But the, the point from here is that one of the main things, so he says here, I, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. So most of what you see, here's the, here's the thing, most of what you see take place in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was as a result of God Almighty. So what is the result of knowing God, of that revelation, of that understanding, of that um, and obviously, as we said, things accrue to you as, uh, uh, as you grow in stature, things accrue. And then we see in, in Abraham's life, he got to a point and God said, I am God Almighty. He never said that before. And then you see after that, all those things accrue as a result. So the main, the main work, the main operation in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was as a result of the revelation of God being God Almighty. 
and what that means. And obviously, they unpacked that with the. So, all the things we saw in their lives, most of it is a res, as a result of knowing God as God Almighty. That is a revelation, and that happened because they attained a certain level, level of stature. Sure. Uh, I don't know if that means a stature is important, but. I, don't, I, don't want, I wanted to say, are you, I don't know who says that. I want to say, are you tracking with me? But I'm sure, I'm sure you are. I don't, I, don't, I don't say that. I know it's said, but I don't say that. So it's the first thing that came to mind. So that's why I said quietly. So I'm sure you are tracking with me. Um, but so we need to grow in stature. We need to grow in stature. Um, I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. And you look in their lives and you see what took place in their lives. And you can link it back to this. And then obviously, you know, it's talking about something different. So let's look at that very quickly. So if we look in the, uh, I don't think I'll go through this, but I'll just give you a scripture reference. So if we look at the, the life of, of um, uh, Jacob, who, who then later became Israel, we can, see, we can see deliverance from an impossible army. I think we touched on that here. So that's Genesis 32 and 33. So 32, 6 and 33, 4. We see that... Um, Jacob has, he, he's on his way, he's traveling back to Bethel. Now God has said, look, leave Laban's house. He left and the whole lot of stuff that happens backwards and forwards. And finally he's going and then he sends a message. <laughs> he sends a message to his brother Esau. He's hoping that, you know, this is like more than 20 years plus that, is, that has gone. He's hoping that, you know, maybe we're a little bit on the same page. And, you know, he sends some things as well. But he sends a message to him. And, and the messages come back and they're like, yeah, so, I don't know how they looked. I'm sure it was probably more serious than this. They're like, yeah, no, so we went to your brother Esau, you know, and we, you know, to give the message. And so he's sort of coming your direction, you know, with 400 armed men. So, like, I'm not sure what he's saying, but if I had to read the situation, you know, he's not coming to celebrate. Like, I don't see any gifts. I see lots of swords and weapons, and, you know, he's coming towards us. So... Like, I don't know how you want to, you know, process this, but, you know, from my, from our standpoint, like, it looks like a bit of a tricky situation. <laughs> you know, it looks like, looks like you're probably under a bit of, you know, either he's under stress or I'm under stress as a result. So, he's on his, um, he's on his way. Esau's, Esau's on his way. 400 armed men, there's no like dancing party, no women, you know, celebrating, cheering. 400 armed men are on his way towards you. So interpret it how you like, you know, but we're out of here, so it's been nice to walk with you. We're, okay, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure they didn't hang around. So, um, I mean, he had to go and wrestle with an angel to go and sort this out. So I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know if they did as well. So I think they just bounced. They're like, like the lip, they're like, you know what? It's been great. Um, it's been a good 20 years or however long, but it's now time for us to bounce. So we, we, we kind of, we have futures to protect, families to look after, so we're gone. But thanks for, thanks for coming. Anyway, so that's not in the Bible. But um, maybe in the, yeah, no, never mind. I was, never mind. Anyway, it's not in the Bible. So Jacob, not, Isra not Israel yet. Jacob, not Israel yet. Obviously engages with this news and now he starts, he starts obviously planning. And I mean, like he's done his entire life. You know, planning, okay, what must I do? Let's divide people into two companies, put the part of the family that I don't like too much at the front, put the part of the family I like more at the back. Bruh, 
Hey, this guy had this guy had problems. Anyway, so yeah, those which well, I guess if they go, it's rough, but you know, life will still go on. So, but I'd like I'd like these ones not to go. And then obviously he goes over last of all, not in the front. I mean, he's like you know, company, company, children, wives, and then he's you know, then he finally crosses over. So, I mean, let me not even comment on that. So I guess you know he'd yeah. I suppose he wouldn't, he wouldn't be invited back to a, to a talk on family values after, you know, <laughs> come let him address the church on how to run a family. You know, I don't, at that, at that, when he was at that place, I, I don't think, you know, they would have, they would have had him once. And, you know, this is how you do it. They're like, um, that's when the person steps up in the middle. They're like, thank you so much. You know, your time is up. That's great. I think I'll finish from here. And you do damage control. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, so he, 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 he. He sent all these parties over and everyone else to uh, 400 people armed to the teeth. And, and he, he, st- he settled down to pray. Um, and, and we can see then, I think 33, we know what happened. He prayed, he engaged in the angel of the Lord. So that's a, um, an, uh, a manifestation of, of, of God himself. He engaged the angel of the Lord and then obviously his hip and all of that. And then he comes out a different person. And then he meets his brother. And, I mean, he's now, I think at seven times or three, I think it was seven times. I mean, he's like, like his brother's far off and he's already like lying in the dust. He's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe, like he won't even hit me. I mean, he just won't hit me so hard when he comes. Maybe it'll just be like a side swipe, you know, not like, you know, maybe. maybe. So it's seven times, like, I think he must have eaten dirt, whatever. So yeah, like it was hectic. And then his brother picks him up and he embraces him. I'm not sure, I mean, unless... Jacob saw a vision of how things were going to play out before. It's probably the first time in his life he's been speechless. I really didn't know what to say. He's like, um, um, hello. <laughs> yeah, so nice to see you. Well, we kind of expected you to come, so we're looking forward to it. You know, I'm sure you saw the party that went ahead. That was just to greet you. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that, was just a, that was just a greeting. But anyway, we see what is, never mind impossible, like it's magnificently awful for Jacob. There's 400 people which are probably coming, you know, by all the looks of it, to exterminate whatever is in front of them. And suddenly that same party, you know, embraces him and greets him. That's not, that's not normal. I mean, it's a miracle. It's incredible. But that's the operation. That's the operation in this context. And obviously everything we see in the Bible accrues to us. So this can be our testimony. Amen. This can be our testimony. As we continue to press forward and grow in stature, there are things that will be added to us at every point in our journey. That's why we need to keep growing. Amen. We can't stop growing. We can't plateau. No one else might know, but God will know, you will know, and your destiny will speak. Amen. So, Deliverance from whatever you want to put in this. This was an impossible army, but it can be deliverance from anything. Um, okay, Genesis 26, uh, 17 to 18. Uh, I said we wouldn't go to the previous ones. We won't go there either. So um, you read that story quickly. What Isaac did was it says he opened up the wells of his father Abraham. So there were certain wells. It says in those two verses that the Philistines went and blocked the wells that, I guess they thought, oh, you know what, after so-and-so is gone, I mean, it's so interesting, hey? I mean, you think of generational legacy and all of those kind of things. I mean, so-and-so is gone, so now we're going to try and come in and block and stop and limit and attack. They obviously couldn't do that when Abraham was there because of his stature. They couldn't. They could have tried. 
I know they wouldn't have got very far. So they waited till he was gone, and then they came to block the wells. And obviously, wells speak of many things. I mean, that's where the livelihood comes from. That's where life comes from. For animals, you drink from it. So wells, and wells can be deep, and you can draw a lot of water from it. So they're very, very significant. If you block wells, and someone's you know, going to live out in the desert, it's going to be very difficult for them. And I think those wells were also significant. They had more significance than natural significance. So the Philistines... I mean, obviously we hear a lot about them in the Bible. They came and then tried to block those wells. Try and block and stop and limit what had happened from, you know, Abraham's life. They didn't want the legacy to continue. They didn't want the lineage to continue, the line to anything. They didn't want anything from him to continue. So let's try and block and stop what was put in place. What did Isaac do? He came and unblocked those wells. It's probably because there's a statue he rose to. So they thought they could get in because Abraham had left, and then they realized, actually, there's someone who's continuing, and he's at the same level. There's someone who's continuing, and he can do just what Abraham did. So we actually, you know, they tried, and then, then that was it. So as we, as we trust God, not only for what might be in our own generational lines but spiritually in our spiritual house what we see you know here that we can inherit um, what we see in our generational lines not just talking one generation before but multiple generations before five six seven generations before what was there the kind of people that walked there the kind of things that they did the kind of accomplishments they had all of those are accessible for us amen or as we continue to walk in stature Every single one of those things are accessible for us. Whatever we see in our natural lineage, I mean, obviously you're talking about the, you know, the positive things, but whatever we see in our natural lineage and spiritually, in our spiritual lineage, and there's a lot there for us to lay hold of and walk in and embrace. There's a lot. We need to keep growing in stature. So, um, let me, um, this scripture I'm going to turn to very quickly, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 to 11. <clears throat> okay, Genesis 12, 10 to 11 reads as follows. Let me turn there. Okay, um, it says, now there, was, uh, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. What did I say? To, okay, maybe just put the next verse. And it came to pass when he was close to entering oh, it's fine, Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you're a woman of beautiful countenance. And then it carries on and obviously he makes some decisions. But here's the interesting thing. And I'm just going to say this very quickly. So verse 10 says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. So if we look at the life of Abraham, so we could say that probably that wasn't the right step. Okay, and I'll explain why. It probably wasn't the right step. And then we, especially we, every other step he'd taken of where to go, God had spoken. Yes. Now it said he decided to go. He ended up coming up. Yeah, he came up with some, with some, with some things, but it certainly wasn't you know, the most uncomplicated time down in Egypt. And then he, then he came back to you know, where he was, and it doesn't say the famine had gone. So he went down, and then he came back. And every time the, the Bible says... Most times, if not every, he went down. It's never, in a, it's never a good thing. Whenever someone goes down, it's not, it's not always speaking geographically. It's more like a step down. You know, they were here and now they've gone somewhere else. 
So Abraham probably shouldn't have taken that step. I, I, think, I think, you know, um, let me not speak for God, but I think probably, probably, uh, you know, probably, you know, it was a case of, I mean, he's just come out of idolatry. You know, the, the guy is still, you know, still starting, if I can say that. You know, it's still the beginning stages. So I think maybe he made it out of um, the state, the level, the, maybe the, I guess immaturity, but, you know, when you say that, you know, someone hears that's a very strong word. But just may, maybe let me say the maturity level he was at. He was probably faced with the biggest thing he'd faced. Um, he'd left his family, his, his support structure, his network. He's traveling through the desert by himself, doesn't know where he's going. So this God appeared to him and said, go somewhere. And he kind of just knows that he's on the right track. Now he gets to where he's supposed to be. He's never encountered something like this before, responding to God's voice. And now you get there and you find a famine. I mean, can you imagine? What happened to that? You know, this, I mean, you, you, you appeared to me wonderfully. So I thought by the time I get there, you know, it's going to be wonderful. So he gets, you know, welcome, welcome. You know, my name is Famine. You know, great to have you. You know, hang around or go down to Egypt if you want to, whatever. So Famine welcomes him into his, the end point of his destination. That's a lot for someone to swallow. That's a, that's a lot. It's the first time he's probably sort of stepped out and followed God. This whole God thing is probably still a bit new probably didn't take the right step, but I believe God covered it and he was merciful. Um, because, you know, he was still... So I guess that, that raises a couple of things. Number one, for us, if there's steps we took which probably weren't the right steps, there's no reason why God can't turn them around. And some of them, and hear me, ladies and gentlemen, on this, some of them might turn around quicker than you think. Some of them might turn around quicker than you think, literally. We trust God to turn them around. We don't give Him the timeline. Amen. Look, we can give Him the timeline, but I think we all know how well that normally works out. So, many of of us have many stories about, you know, timelines we've been given and then, you know, what the timeline looked looked at the end of the day. So, if there are steps we've taken and it maybe wasn't the right step, let's trust God that He will turn them. Not even let's trust God. We're going to pray today. You can even start praying now and saying, God, turn that around. This can be a prayer. You start praying in your heart, Lord, every step I've taken, which could have been in error. Maybe I, know, maybe I don't even know about it. Maybe there's some steps I took. I thought it was the right thing. Egypt looked like the right place to go to because there was a famine where I was. I didn't realize. But even if I've taken wrong steps, and I don't realize. Have mercy. Turn around. So... And I'm, I'm saying that specifically because I believe, you know, when God sends his word, it, it's a word, let me say it like this, there's a word God is sending and he's speaking to us from this passage this morning. So I'd like to think that he's saying, I'm here to redeem. Amen. 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 I'm here to redeem. If there are wrong steps, if there are things you've taken specifically that you know, even if you don't know. God will turn them around. I really believe, not God can, God will, God is. He's busy. And now it's just for us maybe to put our ear to the ground and listen to say, okay, what is he saying? Where is he going? So I believe if there have been steps that we've taken that are incorrect, God is turning them around. Amen. He is, 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 is. So the more we, the more we, open our hearts to Him to, to try and see what He's doing, to listen to His voice, to do what we should be doing, do what we know to do. I believe that turnaround is going to come. So 
in the, and I believe it's coming in this series for a reason. We're talking about stature and growing. And as we continue to press, I believe every single one of these turnarounds will come. Amen. Amen. There will not, I mean, if you can do it for Abraham in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, with so much less than we have, how much more? In the covenant of, of grace, where the love of God is, is so much more poured out. I mean, love personified came to walk in our midst. Love personified died on the cross. How much more would God probably pardon to a greater degree or have mercy to a greater degree now than even in previous times? Hallelujah. So I believe God is, 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 is pardoning. God is having mercy. God is turning around. Sure, God is just like only He can. You are God alone. And you are God. God, I, there's no one. I mean, what, what did we say earlier? Idols, and you know, they can't. Anneli was praying, and you know, they can't. They have eyes, they can't see, they have ears, they can't hear, they have mouths, they can't speak. And that's, and this, that's why He's God alone. Because no one can come close. Only He can raise someone from nothing. From nothing, I mean, absolute, like nothing, nothing economically, physically, materially, emotionally, relationally, anywise, nothing, and seat him with princes. Only God can do that. If he can do that from the lowest of the low, the basest of the, how much more? How much more for each one of us? You are God alone. As we go through, continue with the series, as we go through this morning and as we go throughout our week, just let us remember that He is God, that you are God alone. And it's like high, exalted, no one else compares. And that's the person I'm walking with. That's the person I'm praying to. That's the person I'm engaging with. That's the person who has a... I didn't create my own destiny he came to me and said i have a destiny for you he designed a destiny before i was born like before before i was before the world was created god created a destiny for me i didn't do it for myself i didn't i'm trying to understand what it is but if someone who comes to you and creates a destiny for you probably he will be committed to you fulfilling that and probably he will cut you a bit of slack along the way. And probably he will help you. And probably he's got someone who has a destiny. I mean, a destiny from, from A to Z. Someone who wants you to, to, to finish life and be able to say it is finished. Someone who wants you to be able to finish life and step into heaven and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But now pragmatically, someone who wants the world to be, you to change the world literally for the world to be different because you are here. Someone who wants all of that, he wants you to leave, each one of us to leave this earth and, and the world to be different as a result of us being here. That same person is the one we walk with on a daily basis, is the one we pray to on a daily basis, the one we come before and we ask and we say, God, this is where I am. This is what I need. This is where I, this is where I find myself. If you've done it for so and so, how much more? This is where I find myself. I'm looking to you because there's no one else I can look to. And the word that song says God alone. The word alone is connected with that word God on purpose because 
he's, it's not like there's a little gap between you know, all the other options in him. You can't measure the gap. Just like it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Like the highest, the biggest ocean, the highest mountain, the deepest valley, nothing can separate us from the love. In the same way, God is so far exalted above everything, not just anything called God, but everything. He's so far exalted above everything that there's no comparison. And that is the God we walk with on a daily basis. When we pray and say, Lord, this is my situation. Lord, I made a mistake. Not even, I'm, I'm trusting you to turn around, but Lord, I know you will turn around. When we're asking him to grow us in stature, and we say that, and we've said here that that stature is, is connected with the destiny that he decided on. That's the God we're praying to. Why would he not answer? Why would he not respond? Amen. Hallelujah. So, provision in the midst of famine. No matter the situation, even if the situation you find, and I'm, and I'm saying that today, even if the situation you find yourself in looks like famine. Famine means there's nothing. I had a, def hold on. I'm not going to read it. I had a definition of famine. It's fun. We all have Google. So you can go and find it. So there's a, so famine is nothing, basically. It's nothing. Like things don't grow. There's no rain. The ground's hard. It's not a good place to be in. Not a good place. Definitely if you've got, you know, agricultural animals, famine is not good. So, and in the midst of famine, he can provide. That's what I was going to say. Abraham went down to Egypt. Pro possibly he didn't take, it wasn't the right step. So what I'm trying to say is, had he stayed in the promised land where he was, I believe God would have come through in the midst of that situation. Amen. He would have, so we would have seen a different sort of couple of lines in here about what took place when Abraham stayed. We understand why he left, but when he stayed, we probably would have seen something different play out. So, God is the provider in the midst of famine. Hallelujah. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I think um, second, to, second to last point. Let's see. Genesis 15 verse 1. 15 verse 1 um, <clears throat> says um, after these things so um, after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying do not be afraid Abram I am your shield your exceedingly great reward do not be afraid do not be because I am your shield <laughs> I'm your shield I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I mean, that's a lot of, I guess you can call, I, what is it, my grammar is not my, so what are those adjectives, your ex, doc will know, but I'm not going to call him, he was called up last week, so I'm not going to call him, I know he'll know, because he, he knows many, he knows most things, he knows many things, says, oh yeah, I know, we just need your help on, anyway, so um, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, I'm your shield, your exceedingly, not just I'm your, I mean, God's saying, I'm your reward, I mean, Probably that's good enough. Think about it. God, like the creator of the universe, he comes to you and said, I am your reward. I mean, do you think he needs to say anything else? I don't think there's anything that's left out of that. I mean, like, I am your reward. I mean, is there anything he can't do? No. I am your exceedingly great reward. 
Thank you. There are adjectives. I thought so. I knew there were adjectives. So, and if anyone tells anyone else, or especially my children, that I don't know what adjectives are, I will come find every single one of you. I'm going to look for Ayanda afterwards. Okay. So, but, so not, I mean, if, if like Jehovah God himself, in all his fullness, he comes and he says, I am your reward. There's nothing that's left out. I mean, like what, what is not covered in the God of the universe, above everything, beyond past, even stands outside of time. He says, I'm your reward. Is there anything he can't give you? No. But he adds on and he says, I'm your, not just your great, your exceedingly great reward. I think he was obviously trying to drive something. I think he was trying to paint a picture in Abraham's head of like, this reward is serious. What I'm granting, when I'm, when I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I am your shield, protection, and I am your exceedingly great reward. As we continue to get closer, as we continue to walk closer, you will see more of this manifest. But I am your exceedingly great reward. So, what I believe, what I believe we need to pray for on this point, or let me say it like this, I'm your exceedingly great reward. What I want us to trust God for, and as we grow in stature, I believe we're going to start to see and keep pressing for. What is, your, what is your greatest desire? What is the strongest place of desire in your heart? Because remember, what did Abraham say just after that? He said to him, God, I mean, anyway, let's not make any more jokes about Abraham. About Abraham. So Abraham comes and God says to him, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And he says, but God, I don't have a son. Yeah. So I'm... Um, Anyway, so Abraham's still obviously making progress. I don't think he would have said that later, but at this point he's like, ah, kind of, I'm understanding you a little bit, but I, you know, we're not quite on the same page yet. So God, I don't have a son. I, I am your, God of the universe is your reward and your shield. God, I don't have a son. Okay. So, but that was his strongest desire. That was, that was the most important thing because he's looking at his household and, he's, and he says, you know, um, Eliezer of Damascus, uh, everything I have, like it's great, I've got all this stuff, like it's wonderful, but it's going to have to go to a servant because I haven't got any children. So it's going to have to be handed over to someone. And like, I don't really want that legacy. You know, I don't really, and especially in those times, you know, they're handing over to, it was a big deal. And, the, you know, firstborn got double portion. I mean, there was so much with regards to family and lineage and all of that. And now here he's standing, God of glory has appeared to him. So much has taken place. But yet, one of the greatest things he, he, he wants or desires is not there. So when God said, I'm your exceedingly great reward, I believe it's overarching, but I believe he's speaking to the greatest desire on Abraham's heart. He's saying that word in response to whatever Abraham's greatest need is. Whatever his greatest desire, like the strongest thing in his heart, that's what he's saying that to. It applies to many other areas, but that's what he's saying it to. So I want to say to us today, let's pray for that. Let's trust God for that. I believe God is, in fact, I believe what God is saying to us during this series, during this time is, what is the greatest desire on your heart? What, in fact, let me put it differently because desire can be, you know, some, okay, I want you know, lots of cars or something. Obviously, you're not talking about that, but maybe the greatest need, like the, that, that thing which is deep down and you cry for, you know, it could be tears, it could be, you know, physical tears, it could be just God, I this thing, this thing is it. And no one even may know about it. It's, it's maybe not something you've shared with anyone. But, but that thing, 
That's what I believe God's putting his finger on today. And that's what we need to go to him. And as we're growing in stature, as we keep saying stature is important, <laughs> like it has, you know, it has value. It really, stature in your walk with God has significant value. So as we continue to grow in stature, so God, that thing in my heart, no one else knows about it, probably for some of us or a lot of us, no one else knows about it. God, this is what I'm trusting you for. You've done it for someone else. And I, and I keep emphasizing because I believe it's important. You did it for someone else in the Old Testament. If we really believe that we have a better covenant with better promises with Jesus, then we, then we can use every one of these as an example, and this can be our minimum. If we really believe that we've got a better deal now than before Jesus came, then everything we see him doing for someone previously, especially in the Old Testament, should be a given, a guarantee for each one of us. So, amen. So God, my, my greatest need, my greatest desire, that thing which is so strong, even burdensome on my heart, it's just, like it's heavy, it's weighty. Not only am I trusting you for, but I believe God is going to answer that. God is going to come through for that, and God is going to meet that. He did it for someone before. This is one example of he did it for, and he's going to do it for every single one of us because that is the God we serve. He is immeasurable, unchangeable, unshakable. You cannot get to the end of him. There's no limit to what he can do, to how he can intervene. If he can provide in the midst of famine, which is impossible, how much more? I mean, that's just a tiny example compared to the deepest uh, a need on, on my heart that weighs so heavily on me. Famine is small compared to God coming through for that. And not only do we have a, have a Bible which says nothing is impossible for God, but we actually have an example, a blueprint, a, 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 a testimony of God coming through for someone for their greatest need and greatest desire. And I believe he will do that for each one of us. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I th yeah, maybe last point. Genesis 18. Let's have a look at that. Uh, 18 verse 16. Uh, here's one more thing. When we're talking about, you know, the Abraham, he, uh, he, he grew in stature. And now he'd got to a level which we see in verse 17. And there's certain things which accrued, and we saw that obviously um, God revealed himself as God Almighty, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we can comfortably say that most of what we see in their lives came as a result of that. And here's maybe one last thing I want to I emphasize. And it's not so much about um, the God Almighty. It's about growing in stature. It's about he grew in stature, and when he got there, some things were added. That's the, that's the point. Amen. There's no... People are moving. Okay. There's, there's not, there's one, there's not, anyway, okay. Focus, 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 focus. Good. And we still have communion in Jesus' name. Okay, and which is going to be, which will be, which will be good. So, I think, I'm, yeah. Um, 18 verse, what did I say? 18 verse 16 to 18. Thank you. So, then the men rose. <clears throat> oh, yeah, maybe quickly. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them <clears throat> to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? From this time onwards, from today onwards, 
as we grow in, not even as we grow in, from today onwards, nothing is hidden from us concerning our nation, concerning our family, concerning our community, concerning our own lives. Amen. That is what happens when you grow in stature. God reveals things to you. And what God is about to do, and also not what He's just about to do, He also has to give you context. So there's context that He will reveal. From today, from this moment, nothing is hidden from this church, from anyone in this church. Hallelujah. From now onwards, we walk in a higher level of revelation, insight, understanding, wisdom, um, Understanding of our context, our situation, our culture, our place, our work environment, our family environment, our, where God has called us to, where God has placed us, the nation we're in, we walk in a greater level of understanding. From today, things shift because we are on a journey and we are growing in stature. Things change today. Hallelujah. That is going to benefit us significantly. So I think, I think we can close on that. So we've made the point. Benefits come as we grow in stature. So in order to... Okay, let me... Yeah. In order to walk in those benefits, there's certain things we have to do. And this is what I'm going to close with. Look at this. Uh, back to Genesis 17. This is what it says. It says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, comma, walk before me and be blameless. There was a condition to walking in the fullness of what I am almighty God means. There wasn't just, okay, I'm almighty God, cool, I, 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 get it. I embrace the benefits and life carries on. No, 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 there were conditions. There were things he had to do. There were, there were alignments that had to happen if he wanted to. So God said something to him, but there are alignments that had to happen if he wanted to experience the fullness of what I am almighty God means. So very quickly, um, that word says, walk before me and be blameless. That word means complete. No, it means complete. It means sound. It means unblemished. It means whole. It means, so in other words, what God is saying is, Abraham, You've got to sort some things out now. This Hagar thing that happened before, we, this can't happen again. We need to move. Because obviously there was a mindset he did it with. There was an understanding. There was a maturity level. There was all of that. So God is saying, listen, this must end. This behavior, this lifestyle, this way of doing things, way of seeing things, it comes to an end today. If it comes to an end, you will walk in the fullness of what it means that I am almighty God. If not... You will get some benefits, but you will not walk in the fullness. And you probably won't progress from that level of stature. You will remain there. Amen. So every level of stature has, um, it has benefits, but it also has directives. And no one else probably knows those directives other than us. We know them. That's why I'm saying, while we're sitting here, what is God saying? What is God ministering? What is God whispering to us? Those are important. So if we don't heed the directives, number one, and, and, just, and I think that's awful. It's just horrible. To, it's terrible to even think of. Number one, we will not work, walk in the benefits of what are automatic at that level of stature. In other words, like you, you, grow in, you grow in stature and there's stuff there. Like it's not like God has to add it or you've got to pray. Like it's there. It's on that level. Like you travel to somewhere and there's things you find there. 
they're in that place. I mean, you can't take it away. It goes with it. So with statues, the same thing. There are things that are there that are, that are chained, locked to that level. But there are directives. And if we don't heed the directives, we will touch the things there a little bit. We won't embrace their fullness. And we will not continue to grow in stature. We will stay at the level we are at and we will not progress. So God is saying so much. God is doing so much. It's wonderful. But we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to, Lord, what are the directives? What, what, for me, and no one else probably knows about them. What are you saying to me? Me. What are you saying to me? And walking them out and applying them. And every single thing, not just what we get said today, everything that sits in that Bible belongs to you and will manifest in your life and you will see it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We glorify you. We give you praise. We honor you and we exalt you. We lift you up and we bless you. We thank you and we give you. I can't do it now. I'm coming up. I can carry on. So, Father, we thank you and we give you glory. We honor you, we exalt you, and we lift you up. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Lord, you're taking us on a journey. There's a journey. There's been growth in every single person's life, Lord God, over this three-week journey. Not even counting the year. And There's been growth over the whole year and over the time that people have even been at this church. But specifically in this three weeks, there has, has been growth, Lord God. And there will continue to be growth. And we thank you for this growth. Thank you that what you are doing is more than we can ask or imagine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.